What a privilege to be with you men for these brief hours and to fellowship together in the Word, to be one in Christ, to be part of the same family. What a glorious thing. Let's turn this evening to 1 Samuel. First Samuel chapter 23. I've had a hard time knowing what the Lord wants me to speak on. I trust that this is it. First Samuel 23 verses 14 to 18. <clears throat> And David stayed in the wilderness in the strongholds and remained in the hill country in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Now David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life while David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horash. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David at Horash and encouraged him in God. Thus he said to him, Do not be afraid, because the hand of Saul my father shall not find you, and you will be king over Israel, and I'll be next to you. And Saul my father knows that also. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed at Horash while Jonathan went to his house. And then, if you want to keep your place there, over to 1 Samuel 30. Verses 1 to 6. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag, and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. What a scene this is. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Now David's two wives had been taken captive. Aenoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, bitter of soul, each one because of his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I want to speak to you on the subject of encouragement. In 23.16, the passage we read there, Jonathan encouraged David in God. Literally, he strengthened his hand. He encouraged him. He strengthened him. And it's the very same word in chapter 30 
where David strengthened himself in the Lord as God. So encouragement, <clears throat> first of all, encouraging one another, the first passage, what Jonathan did for David, and then encouraging ourselves. And before we start, I want to look a little bit at the meaning of the word itself. In Hebrew, the word translated encourage comes from a root meaning to fasten upon. Fasten upon. Hence, it's translated to seize, to strengthen, to encourage, to fortify, to fasten, and to help. So you fortify something, you know. You make a fort. The idea of strengthening, encouraging, fortifying, helping. In the New Testament, in the Greek, the word translated encourage comes from a root meaning to call to one side. And you know about the paraclete is called to our side. Comes from a root meaning to call to one side and is translated beseech, exhort, comfort, and encourage. Now it's the very same word translated in those different ways. And that's significant because we tend to think of those as not being synonyms. Would you think exhort is a synonym for comfort? Same word, exhort and comfort. That's a biblical idea of exhortation and comforting. So, in other words, the biblical idea of comforting is not you come along and pat somebody, just kind of comfort them like that, but you comfort them in an exhorting way. And the biblical idea of exhorting is not to beat somebody with words, but to comfort them, (laughs) to encourage them. You put those two together, exhort and comfort, and it's translated both ways. You get the other way it's translated, which I think captures it all, and that is encourage. It's translated encourage, and that's what it is, to comfort and exhort. Alexander Peden, one of the old Scottish covenanters, there were, there were a bunch of, this back in the 1600s, there was a bunch of covenanters, men and women, that were stuffed into one room of Donater Castle, way up in high up in Scotland, and Peden wrote to them and reproved and exhorted and comforted them. He said, you need to man up and be strong, and, you know, he had some strong words for them. Well, he could do that because he'd been on the Bass Rock for five years as a prisoner. See how perfect that is? He comes in and he fortifies them. He fortified them. More than just patting on the back, this idea of comforting the comforter. Well, he's the, it's the same word, beloved. He's the encourager. He encourages. He, he exhorts. And he comforts. And so we want to look at this whole matter of encouragement. This comes out clearly, the meaning of the word in Hebrews 13.22. And I really love this. Uh, He says, I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation. The whole book of Hebrews summed up with this word. 
Well, what is it? Is it a word of exhortation? Well, yes, it is. You've got passages, you've got all kinds of warning passages in Hebrew. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, and so on. There's, a, there's exhortation, but there's comfort. We're persuaded better things of you, things that accompany salvation. God's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Strengthen the hands that hang down, you know, and, and make straight paths for your feet. And see, that's a, it's a word of, of consolation. It's a word of exhortation. It's a word of comfort. It's but in one word. It's a word of encouragement. This whole thing, this book is a word of encouragement. And so you get a little feel for the word. Um... It's an amazing thing that Lord uses this to refer in one word to the Holy Spirit. He's the fortifier, He's the helper, He's the encourager. We can't capture it all, can we? But when the encourager comes, when the fortifier comes, when the exhorter comes, when the comforter comes, the helper and think of this, it's used, the same word used to refer to the Lord Jesus. Over there in 1 John, we have an advocate with the Father, same word. We have, an, we have a helper, we have one to come alongside. So, <clears throat> on this matter of encouraging one another, three thoughts. First of all, we're responsible to encourage one another. We're called upon. It's not, it's not right for us not to encourage one another. It's not right to come into a meeting and think, what am I going to get out of this? What you, come, you come with the thought, I want to help bro- maybe some brother struggling here. I want to be an encouragement. To some brother in Christ that may be going through a hard time. You see, it's, it's a responsibility. Let me just give you some verses. You don't necessarily need to turn to these, but we're commanded to do this. Isaiah 35, 3 and 4. Encourage the exhausted. Sometimes people just get exhausted. Encourage the exhausted. Strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious hearts, take courage. Take courage. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but He'll save you. That's, that's an encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. Encourage... There's a word, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men. Don't get put out with them. You know, he's struggling with that again, you know, that kind of attitude. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13, Take care, brethren, lest there should be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and falling away from the living God, but encourage one another. Day by day. 
While it's still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we don't forget about anyone in that in the body. It's really a challenge, isn't it? I mean, we have this. Uh, our church has grown. You know, it gets harder and harder to not let people slip through the cracks, lest there be any one of you. So how's this brother really doing? You know. Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Some of you maybe memorized that verse. You know, it's, it's one of those, you know, comforts us in all our afflictions. That we may be able, well, it's the same word again, very same word. Encourage, exhort, comfort. And it's translated comfort here, I think just because of the context. But God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who encourages us and fortifies us in all of our afflictions so that we can feel good and go off and put our feet up. So we can go and encourage anybody else that's going through any affliction with the same encouragement that we ourselves are encouraged by God. Second Timothy 2.4 Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and here's the word, exhort. Translated exhort there, but it's the same word. Encourage. Comfort with great patience and instruction. Elders are supposed to do that. The apostles did that. Or here, think of Barnabas. His whole name, the son of encouragement, the son of consolation, the son of exhortation. He was known. I'm saying this is a, a grace and a duty that we forget about, how important it is. And you know you can remember people that do it. I mean, I've had, I've had brothers, I say, what do you think about so-and-so? You think they could ever be an elder? He said, oh man, that guy, he's come to me many times and said, how are you doing, brother? <laughs> they look at that, and they'll suggest, have you ever considered so-and-so as an elder? He always is the one that's calling me and seeing how I'm doing. This is, we, we haven't made a big enough thing of this. You've got an apostle named the son of encouragement, the son of consolation. And if you read through the book of Acts, you find that's what's going on. Let me, let me just give you a couple of them. In Acts 4.36, Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement. Well, that's what they went about doing. Listen to this. They came through strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. So he was comforting and exhorting and encouraging believers. So we need to start thinking in these terms, this is something God wants me to do. This is important. It's important. But consider, secondly, the, the, the blessedness of the work of encouragement. 
It's parallel to the work of the Holy Spirit himself in the life of the believer. Can't get much better than that, can you? What a blessed work. The Holy Spirit is the great encourager. And it's a one-word designation for the Lord Jesus. And he says he's, he's going to send us the encourager, the helper. Now you think of it in terms of Jonathan and David. Here's David out in the wilderness running from Saul. Like a wild beast, he's being pursued. <clears throat> and he's come to the realization that Saul really does mean to kill him. And so it said Saul was going out. And we talked about this earlier today. It was a contradiction to everything that had happened. David's in a trial of faith. He'd already been anointed as king. And so he was struggling. Where, you know, where's God and what's going on? Why is everything that God promised not happening? And it's in this setting that Jonathan, who you remember, he's a real man of God in his own right. You look at some of those exploits Jonathan did. He did unbelievable things. I mean, he had every right to think, I could make a good king, you know. Think of it. He goes out there, travels out into the wilderness to encourage David in his God. Just think of the, the humility of Jonathan. He was next in line to the throne and instead he's joyfully encouraging David. He goes to a despised dog. The king's son goes to a despised dog out there. You, you just think of the, the love of Jonathan. Why else would he go out there? It says that <clears throat> he loved David as his own life. You think of the self selflessness, the unselfishness of Jonathan, the faith of Jonathan. He he could see things clearly. He submitted to God's will. He knew what God was going to do. And here's David struggling. He doesn't have much faith at the time. And so one who can see clearly goes out and helps him. A lot of what we're doing whenever we help somebody or counsel somebody, we're reminding them of things that they already know, but we can see it clearly and they can't. And you're just saying the same things and they get to start thinking, they start getting a little bit where I can see that. I can see that and they get help again. David was in the place of trial. And everything looked dark, and Jonathan went out to encourage David in the Lord. So I say it's a blessed work. It can have untold benefits. We don't know how much this visit changed David, I mean, helped David and, and strengthened him and lasted with him. He was sustained by it. In fact, the Bible says that it's possible to, sustain, to be sustained by a word. By a word. Haven't you experienced that? You've had maybe the, you've been in some meeting where you, you were sustained by one word. You're hanging by a thread. And one word sustained you. It says that concerning Christ. He, he says, The Lord has given me the tongue of disciples that I might 
Sustain the weary with a word. Well, that's what happened with Jonathan and David. So, it's a blessed work. And then thirdly, we're thinking about encouraging others. How do we go about encouraging others? There's two things we see back here in chapter 23. First of all, we encourage others just by our love and fellowship, demonstration of our love and and having fellowship with them. Jonathan arose and went to David. And what an encouragement. I mean, there's, there's people I know out, on, out on, in other countries. There's people in lonely spots that they're greatly encouraged just to have a visit. And it's still, it's true right here, isn't it? There's sometimes where just a visit speaks to somebody so much. It helps them and encourages them, strengthens them. And Jonathan did that. Paul, Paul himself, here's an apostle, he says the, to the Romans, he says, I, I, I've been praying, I want to come and impart some spiritual gift. He says, that is that I may be, what, comforted, encouraged, together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul the Apostle got encouraged by being with other Christians. He got encouragement. So first of all, just by making that trip, making that visit. But then secondly, we encourage others by directing them to God. It says, Jonathan arose and went to David at Horash and encouraged him in God. And that's the very heart of the matter of this thing, isn't it? Encouraging the brother or the sister in God. We direct their eyes to God. We remind them of His promises, of His faithfulness, of His power to fulfill those promises. And that's what Jonathan did here. He says, do not be afraid. Verse 17, the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. He's confident of that. He, you're going to be king. Just like God said. My father knows that. He knows it. He strengthened him in the promises of God. God had already told Saul way back in chapter 15. He said, uh, I've torn the kingdom from your hand this day and given it to someone else who's better than you. And so that was a done deal. It was already finished. And David had already been anointed king, but he needed to be encouraged in that fact. And that's the way it is with every Christian. Every Christian, it's a certainty. Jesus, when he prayed there in that high priestly prayer, and he said, Father, I want that those whom you have given me be with me where I am. That settled your salvation right there. That's going to happen. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. It's going to happen. That's a certainty. But sometimes you can get to feeling like it's very uncertain. And the thing of encouragement is saying, your God, your God is going to come. And he's going to straighten everything out, but he'll save you. That's what that encouragement is. So we direct the person to the promises of God. 
that every hair of our head is precious to him, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, that he's with us in spite of our failings, that he's for us. Think of that. Paul says, if God is for us, I mean, just let that sink in. God is for me. God is for me. He's for us. He's justified us. Every hair of our head is precious to Him. So that's biblical encouragement. So I say we're, we are exhorted and commanded to encourage our brothers and sisters. And it is a blessed work to be involved in. And we do it by directing them to God, not by flattering them and telling them how they don't need to hear how great they are. They need to hear how great God is in spite of them. But that brings us to the second part. We not only are responsible to encourage others, we're responsible to encourage ourselves. Over in 1 Samuel 30. And this is an amazing passage. It's another one of those like the account of Joseph. It's like you can't ever get over it. David, was our, he was already low because he, the reason he had this city of Ziklag was because he'd already said, Saul's going to kill me one day. I might as well go over to the Philistines. And they went over there and the king gave him that city of Ziklag and he went out to try to fight with them. And they said, we don't know if we can trust this guy. Send him home. And so they're all going back already low and get there and the city's burned to the ground and their wives and their little ones are all gone. They've lost everything. <laughs> and all those guys weep. They weep till they don't have any more strength. I think it was like, you know, sometimes it's more than even the event itself. It's like everything is built up and built up and built up and all of a sudden this and they couldn't take it anymore. And they just broke all of them these are these are these are rough type guys they it's a ragtag group that's come out to david out there in the wilderness and gathered around him and it's these men they they weep till they can't even hardly stand up anymore no strength left to weep and on top of all that they start talking about stoning David. Now you talk about a low point in a man's life. This is the lowest point. I don't think there could be anything any lower than this in David's life. In terms of trial. And here's the thing. There wasn't any Jonathan around. Not one of those men would suffice for a Jonathan. And beloved, if, if you wait for Jonathan to encourage you, you're going you're gonna to be mighty miserable and mighty defeated because you're going to have to encourage yourself in God. You're going to have situations where... And God sees to it that it's that way. It's not, well, they failed me. He sees to it that you, you're going to have to come to the place where you encourage yourself in God and not blame anybody else. He encouraged himself 
in the Lord. And it's what a what a glorious thing this is. We see a classic illustration of that in Psalm 42, don't we? You remember the psalmist, <clears throat> he's going through a hard time. <clears throat> Let me just turn to it. <clears throat> As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where's your God? These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. He thinks back, he says, I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. He's looking at all that and then what's he do? He starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his countenance. Why are you cast down on my soul? And in verse 11, why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. What's he doing? Well, he's doing what a Jonathan would have done if he had been there. And there wasn't any Jonathan, so he did it. Martin Lloyd-Jones said the problem is, the big problem is we listen to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. We let ourselves talk to us rather than us talking to ourselves. Well, what are we talking about? Taking yourself by the collar and saying to yourself, what are you doing? Trust in God. Trust in God. He will come through. He always has. You've got, you've got to strengthen yourself, encourage yourself in the Lord. How do we do that? Well, first of all, you have to get to the place of prayer. And that's, that can be hard in a time like that. And you don't feel like it. But if you just get to God, start pouring it out to the Lord. Get to the place of prayer. The last thing you may want to do, you're full of unbelief. On top of that, oftentimes your conscience is defiled and you feel like you're unworthy and so on. But that's where the book of Hebrews is so wonderful. It's a word of encouragement. And it says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. There is a throne of grace. Think of that. A throne, infinite power, a throne of grace. Let us come boldly, let us come with confidence to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and actually find grace to help in time of need. What that means is, is that here I am in need and I can come to this throne of grace and I can come away with some grace to help me in time of need. And I've seen repeatedly where God is faithful to do that. You come to him and you say, I, I need help. And lo and behold, you come away. <laughs> he gives you something. You walk away with grace to help you in time of need. He does that. Come with confidence out of principle. 
force yourself knowing that there will be grace there for your time of need. So we need to get to the place of prayer. We need to remind ourselves, just like we would if we were encouraging someone else, we need to remind ourselves of the promises of God and the truth. Take those mighty promises and begin to quote them out loud to ourselves and to the devil. Whatever the, whatever the need is, sin shall not have dominion over me, for I am not under the law, but under grace. My God shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory. Just go through them. They're promises. Encourage yourself in God. I mentioned J.O. Fraser this morning, how he was in that cloud and darkness and began to quote Scripture. I think it was that kind of thing. Encouraged himself in God and it broke through. Thirdly, we need to remind ourselves of what God has already done for us. And a lot of times when you're in a time of darkness like this, it seems like God's never done anything for you and you forget everything, all the miracles that He's done in time past. But He has repeatedly, if you've been a Christian very long, there is one thing after another God has done. He's intervened for you. And you've got to remind yourself of it. Every time I start telling people about some of the things from my past, even 40 years ago, I start telling them, they say, well, how did the such and such happen? Well, I, been, I met this person and then this happened and then and pretty soon in about 10 minutes, you praise God. <laughs> I can't believe all of these done. Well, we've forgotten about it. We need to be reminded. Remind yourself. I wonder, you know, I don't know if David had that sword of Goliath with him. I don't know if he carried that around. It might have been a heavy. But can you imagine the encouragement of just picking up that sword? There's none like it. Just thinking about that, I mean, you wonder, what, was it, what were the things? I mean, there may have been things that aren't even recorded in Scripture that were the greatest encouragements to him. But he encouraged himself in the Lord. And when we're doing this, we're doing, we're siding with the Holy Spirit who is the great encourager. When we do that with a brother, think of this. You go to a brother and you start talking to him, trying to exhort and comfort him and fortify him. You're doing the very work of the Holy Spirit. You're joining with him. The Holy Spirit's right there saying, that's right, that's right. Listen to him. You know, <laughs> he's right there with us. Helping us. We don't know what took place there that day, but we do know this, that he, he, he came out of it. He was ready to pursue. And you remember what happened? David recovered all. So him encouraging himself in God, I mean, it made the difference between losing all. It wasn't on some little deal. We're not talking about some little deal in your, in your life. We're not talking about some little deal. It's a difference between losing everything and, have, and gaining everything. He recovered everything because of that time out there with God where he got some strength back. He was at his bottom and he got some strength back. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, I say what a blessed thing this is to 
And we're not going to be able to encourage others if we don't learn to encourage ourselves in God. But I just, uh, as I considered what to speak on, back home I, I had something else I was going to give tonight and I got to thinking, I think this is what, so I don't know. But I, I hope, maybe, maybe God's going to use it for you and remind you of it in the days ahead. You, you've got an obligation to strengthen one another. Encourage, and there it is, encourage one another. Day by day, while it's cold today, say, well, I'll put that off till tomorrow. No, while it's, while it's now, <laughs> encourage one another. While it's cold today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Very rich word, that word encourage. The one word summary and name that the Lord gave to the Holy Spirit. The encourager, the consoler, the comforter, the strengthener, the fortifier. Even the word comfort, that's that, that got that word fort in there. That has to do with fort, fortifying. Not like a blanket that you put on a comforter, but he's one who, who fortifies. May God help us to do that.